Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, where we're serving up gospel-fueled courage to the Christian woman to remain faithful in her calling. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. Jordan and Lexi here, and we have a really special, exciting guest. Erin Coates is with us today. Hey, Erin. Yay! Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so happy that you were able to do this with us. So we always start off the podcast with an icebreaker. So I'm just going to surprise you with a question. <laughs> I was just going to ask you guys. So our icebreaker is what's for supper? What are you guys cooking for supper tonight? Oh, do I go first? Sure. Uh, we're just having burgers tonight. <laughs> good. Oh, burgers. That sounds really good. So grilling burger. I mean, you just said it snowed there. So you're going to grill them? Oh, yeah. We grill all year round in Alberta. Really? You, you have to. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Does it take longer to grill them since it's so cold outside or not really? That's a good question. I, I don't know. My husband usually does the burgers and the steaks. So I, (laughs) you're like, I don't know. They just get grilled. (laughs) I last year, I think it was last year, maybe the year before I discovered these oven burgers where you, Oh yeah. Oh man. They're so good. Those are good. So you, I think you grill the burgers first though, but then you put them on the bun with some thin sliced onions and the cheese and ketchup and mustard and everything. And then you wrap them in foil and put them in the oven for a little bit. And it just gives like this steamy, melty, delicious extra step. That's pretty, pretty great. But yeah, it's just on those nights when you feel like being extra with your burgers, I guess. What do you have in Lexi? Yeah. Well, we have Psalm Sing tonight. So we've got, I mean, I was responsible for some double chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> so I'm not sure what else we'll be having with that though. <laughs> do you guys do like potluck style situation on song? Yeah, every week. Cool. It's, it's a ton of fun. I love doing it like that. So everybody just brings something and y'all eat together. Yeah, we do a meal train beforehand. So everyone can kind of sign up and make sure we have different portions of the meal. Cause it's a big group with lots of children. So we need yeah. lots of <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We're having a Instapot meal that I've never made before. So I have no idea if it's going to be good or not, but it's like pork (laughs) and a, it's like sauteed onions and wine. And then you cook the pork in that. Um, and I did it just like the slow cooker option in there. And then you eat it with crusty bread and, and there's involved in oregano. So I don't know. We'll see. Is it like a pork roast? Well, it's supposed to be a roast, but I'm doing okay. pork chops because I'm using up okay. the last of the meat because we got our, yeah. we got a, our quarter of a cow today. So I'm like trying to use up the old stuff because the deep freeze is full. So if it's yummy, send it my way. Cause I've I still will. got a bunch of pork roasts that I need something to okay. do with. Yeah. Yeah. It's in that milk street fast and slow cookbook that I have. It's like a cookbook that you can either do things Instapot fast or like slow cooker slow. So same oh, cool. Recipe, and it just like tells you which way to do either option so anyway so okay Aaron tell us a little bit about yourself for those of our listeners that maybe don't know your story um tell us who you are who your husband is and what the past year and a half almost two years has been like for you guys oh wow um, yeah how yeah, long do you have <laughs> bring everybody up to speed on what's been going on in your life for those that might not know yeah, well, um, I am, first of all, a slave of Christ. I saved uh, just when I was, um, I think it was just about 23, and uh, saved a moral life um, full of depravity. I'm uh, super thankful that the Lord would save somebody like me, and then not only save me, but 
be in the ministry. And uh, so I'm married to uh, the teaching pastor of Grace Life Church. I have two boys. One is almost um, 12. And uh, we've tried to have more kids, but the Lord has closed that door thus far. Uh, and I'm 41. So we could still have more children, but that would be an interesting feat for us. Uh, so we have two boys and then I direct our women's ministry as well. And the last, I don't know, two years of our life has been pretty crazy with COVID. And uh, so almost two years ago when the whole world shut down, we shut down too. And, uh, but our province, so we have provinces, not states in Canada. So I am in Canada. Uh, we're in Edmonton, Alberta, just outside of Edmonton, um, which is a city of 1.3 million people. Uh, uh, and our government uh, really wanted us to obey them and submit to them on lockdowns. And they were very extreme with their lockdowns. And a couple months into the whole COVID ordeal, um, our church decided they were going to open their doors, that it was it was more harmful to keep the church closed uh, than it was to be and uh, like our people were hurting during that time and so we opened and then from there our government just uh, with one rapid fire after another tried to get us to comply uh, fined us threatened us with jail shut down our church jailed my husband uh, for 35 days and then took our building for three months and brought in like the riot squad, uh, police from all over Alberta. Um, so that went kind of national news, uh, actually global news. Um, so our story has kind of reached all the way around the world. He's the first, um, I think he's the first pastor arrested in the West. And so, yeah, he was there and he got out and we are back under restrictions now. So under the same restrictions we were under when they arrested him. And uh, the government is not letting up. They're being a little bit more sneaky in how they're trying to pursue us right now. Um, but they're still there and they still want us to close uh, and we're still worshiping the Lord. So that's a little bit of a nutshell of our story. Wow. And so how long was James in jail? 35 days. 35 days. Okay. Wow. Okay. So my first question you, for you is, um, so what was the reasons that you guys didn't comply? Like, why not just the love your neighbor? Give us your lowdown and you're like, why behind? Why the stand? Yeah, well, when people say like, there's that want us to stay open and fight for their freedom. Um, we, when we closed down the church, we realized, because um, we were only allowed 10 people, I believe, at one point, which was like my husband, two of the music team, our sound guys, and then our family. And so uh, we just realized during that time, because I think it was almost three months, like we had closed down at the end of March and then fully opened up. So people started to trickle in, I think around the end of June, but we opened up fully around July of 2020. And uh, our guys just started to really wrestle with what is the responsibility of the church? What is the church and state? What can the state dictate to the church? Um, and how safe is it if we we're going to open up? And so our guys were just looking at data. Um, we have frontline workers in our church. We have doctors in our church. Oh, interesting. Um, police officers, everything. So we were working with people during this time to like, just what they were feeding us in the media wasn't lining up with yeah. happening. But our guys really just started to ask the question, like, what is church? What is a proper ecclesiology? Yeah. And that we could not fulfill the one another's or live in the means of grace without fundamentally altering 
what they are like baptism and the Lord's supper. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they decided we are going to open our doors in obedience to Christ that when it comes to the government, we're to honor and submit to them, but they don't have jurisdiction to be able to dictate how we worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And so our guys just started to realize that their conscience is bound to scripture. And in order to fulfill Mm -hmm. the mandate and their duty as shepherds, that they had to open the church and gather and testify to the world that, that Christ is sovereign over his church and not the government. So that's, I think that would be it. (laughs) So Romans 13, we really like, when you look at Romans 13 and the job of the government, they are, they're a um, minister of the Lord. They are to punish the evildoer and um, to praise people who are doing good, that we're not supposed to live in fear if we're doing good. But the the stuff they were asking us to do is really harming our people. Mm -hmm. And thought like, you know, people are falling into sin, depression, like they need to gather. Um, and so we gathered the church and we just stood firm and said, you, you, you can't, it was an obedience issue for our leadership. All of our guys were on the same page to open and, uh, they just, they wouldn't move after that. So yeah. how long between when you guys opened, how long did it take for your husband to actually get arrested? So we opened in July, 2020 and he was arrested February 16th, 2021. Okay. And it was a progression from there. So they pretty much were kind of hanging around during the summer of 2020, um, saying like, you need to socially distance, you need to wear masks, you need to sanitize. And we're just like, okay, if people want to wear masks, they can wear masks. Because they didn't want us doing communion. They didn't want us singing. Like they they didn't want, um, I think we could fit maybe 30% of the building capacity but even then you had to be distanced and masked. Mm. Um, and I just think like, what, how awful is that for children to like oh walk yeah. all the time? Like how yeah. detrimental is that to our babies? Yeah. Um, and so life has been pretty normal for our church. And then things started to really heat up in October, 2020, the end of October, when we went on another lockdown and then they just started pursuing us more heavily. Like they thought, okay, well, We'll do fines. And then they brought the media in. Like they called the media. We had a very weird own media. <laughs> so mm. they're awful. They're all singing off the same song sheet. Mm. And so they called the police. They called the media. The media got a hold of it. And then once James hit the media, it was just, it was wow. awful. They were lying about us. The, the way, the things they would say about us in the media, but then they would put these clips um, like he, he's, uh, preached a sermon December 20th and, and a clip of that hit national media. And the clip was saying, who is Lord of the church? Is it Jason Kenny, which is our premier? Is it Dina Hinshaw, who is our, um, health, uh, chief medical officer? Is it the elders? Is it the deacons? No, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they did that, we were like, we thought they were going to cut the clip because nobody declares on national news that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Right. And then they did it and we're in our kitchen, just like cheering. Yeah. Oh, cool. They couldn't have picked a better clip to wow. put national yeah, that's news. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. Crazy. So and then the gospel just started going forth. Um, they brought us to court in January. Um, they had a closure for our building, but we still had access to it. Uh, and they arrested, they've arrested James twice. So the first time they arrested him was a catch and release. Uh, and it was February 7th in his office and the RCMP, which is our police, our federal police system. They didn't really want to be arresting him, but they kind of 
were caught between a rock and a hard place. And they're like, we're just kind of, we're doing what we're told. Um, so they arrested him, I think just to scare him mm-hmm. and put him on an undertaking and he never signed the undertaking and the undertaking was that he would comply and he didn't sign it. And he said, I can't sign that. And they said, it doesn't matter if you sign it or not. Um, then the following week, because he broke the undertaking, cause he was still liable to it, whether or not he signed it. Um, they arrested him again. And this time, like he, they put bail conditions on him and he couldn't sign the bail conditions. So he went to jail. Hmm. Wow. wow. Okay. What a story. Uh, <laughs> all I can think about is like what the enemy enemy is meant for evil. God is meant for good. And what an awesome testimony of the gospel going forward, even when the church is being persecuted. And I've even been thinking lately about you know, so many times the word uses yeast as an example for like gospel spread. And like when bread is pressed down, it doesn't always just squash. It actually like rises, the bread rises. And it's just cool thinking about how, you know, the enemy meant to squash, squash out the church in Canada, but it's actually expanding and praise God for that. And I'm so thankful for you guys's courage and just the way that God is using you guys to stand. So thank you for that. Thank you for being, you know, what all of us are doing, but in, in the spotlight right now, you know, well, not all of us, but a lot of us (laughs) are trying to do and trying to be faithful with. Um, so it it sounds like you've been brave and awesome and steadfast. Has that been the case the whole time or has (laughs) it been like a roller coaster journey of emotion as your (laughs) husband gets? Oh yeah. (laughs) Like, um, it's funny when people say that to me, like, you're so brave and I'm just like, oh, you don't, you don't see like, like the anxiety going to church every Sunday when you know the RP are going to be in your service and are going to be like watching everybody. So we have a balcony and they would stand like there are big guys in our church. And, and so they're standing on the balcony, like watching everybody downstairs. And so, and you never knew how many were going to be there. Right. Um, so there was like just Sunday, like I would feel anxious in my heart. And then I have to walk through like okay, why am I anxious? Well, because mm-hmm. they arrest your husband. Well, if they arrest James, like you're soft. So I have to walk through like, what is yeah. in my heart? Yeah. What are my fears? What does God's word say in regards to those? And then I get, I get to church and I'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah. And then when James was arrested, uh, that came with a lot, there was a grief, almost like a, like a mourning over the state mm-hmm. of the church. Cause I thought, for sure a pastor being arrested like this was going to cause the churches to stand right and when they attacked us instead that brought like a level of spiritual warfare into our home i never experienced before just trying to like ward off the hateful mm-hmm. comments and just like people discrediting mm-hmm. salvation and um, okay so i have a question about that are, are you saying then that none of the other churches basically had y'all's back uh, not publicly, no. The other church that kind of took a public stand was Tim Stevens Church, but even then, um, he wasn't fully open. I think until James went to jail, and then he was like, "That's it, we're opening." Mm-hmm. Um, he's in Calgary, which is like two and a half hours away, right? So, yeah, not. You know what? It was the Americans that really uh, came to our aid and gave us wow. because <laughs> the Canadian church and the media essentially silenced mm-hmm. us. Wow. Um, so guys that I've just loved and respected, like Josh Bice, Tom Askell, uh, MacArthur, all of those guys, Steve Lawson, like they all came to our aid um, because James is like, he's one of their quote guys, right? Because he's a TMS grad. Um, 
And so they owned him like, we're okay. If, if he's mm-hmm. out in front, we can't let this guy be out in front by himself. And, yeah. and MacArthur was going through a, a whole bunch of stuff. Like he was open, like we were, but he was getting attacked too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not a lot of people stood with us. There, there was a few churches in the area. Um, Had he ever uh, like asked publicly, like asked other pastors to back him up or like saying, Hey, cause I remember at one point my husband, had put out a video for our governor basically calling other pastors in the area like we're going to resist this and we got nothing (laughs) he wasn't jailed obviously but did he ever do something like that where he was publicly calling the other pastors basically to act like men yeah and actually tim Mm -hmm. Stevens called every single church like wow and said stand with us Mm -hmm. and they either said no this isn't we're not this is not our hill to die on I mean, wow. a few faithful churches for sure that were standing, but, um, like, uh, Tim Stevens brother, he was standing and he's on the other side of Edmonton. And there was another mm-hmm. little church that was like a country church that was standing. And, um, so there was churches here and there. And then when James went to jail, I want to say there was about 11 okay. um, churches in total that stood. And that's a far cry from like, how many churches there are in Alberta. Our associate pastor who church planted North Alberta, he took a huge stand. Um, But yeah, there was set, it was really disheartening. Men who we thought were going to stand, didn't stand and still are not standing today. Wow. Okay. Like are still hard to navigate. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. That would be very hard to navigate emotionally as a pastor's wife. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So there was, um, there was a moment, you know, cause I'm like, okay, the Lord has called him to this. So I'm, I, I get the Lord's sovereignty, but that grief is still in your heart. There's a grief yeah. like yeah. to him. He's actually yeah. in prison with like, like he's, he's in a remand center, which you have the vilest of criminals mm-hmm. in well, they're either released on bail or they go to maximum security prison. So this is a media maximum security wow. <laughs> that he's in. Um, so he's not with like petty criminals. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you're kind of like, like what's going on. And then they were, they were really trying to break him and I, so there was things that they were doing that was really shady that, that he was, they were trying to get him to break so that he would sign and come out. Cause he was a political nightmare. Um, what had happened. And he's just like, I can't, like my conscience won't allow me to sign this because they had told him, um, if you do not comply, you're not allowed on grace life property. You're not even oh, allowed wow. to church. And, uh, he's just like, I, I can't do that. I, I can't hand God's people over to mm. a, a, like unregenerate government that has just squelched them. We'd already seen the effects of what they had done. Yeah. So that, that was hard. And then I remember my very first interview, our lawyer, who's a good friend of ours, um, he's a constitutional lawyer. He had said, Aaron, I really want you to do this interview. And it was the Saturday after he had gone into jail and there was a big rally happening. And um, I said, okay, well, I'll do it. And I'm, I'm like, I hadn't slept. I lost like 12 pounds in two weeks. Like I just I couldn't wow. sleep. Um, and then this woman, she, uh, has a pretty good name in Canada, but she's not mainstream media. She's, she's on the, the fringe where she actually talks about real issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said, okay, Erin, she, she's a professing believer. And she had said to me, um, the majority of my listeners are unbelievers. And I thought, oh, okay, well, this is like my chance to share the gospel with Canada. 
<laughs> so that's what really uh, planted the seed for me. Like Aaron, before mm-hmm. trying to get your husband out of jail, um, like you have to be faithful with Christ. And that right. the only way this nation is going to turn around is if the gospel goes mm-hmm. out and goes forth. Yeah. So that's what I really made by the grace of God, um, like the thrust of the message that that freedom in Canada was tertiary, secondary um, to mm. freedom in Christ and that they needed to, to, to know him and to be yeah. saved. Wow. So that was, um, and, then, and then when I went on Tucker, that really shook our, um, our government. And then that's when the negotiations started. Oh, for him oh, wow. out of jail. Tucker Carlson? Tucker Carlson, yeah. Oh, oh. I did not even <laughs> see this. I got to look that up. Wow. The scariest moment of my life. <laughs> I just like uh, my oldest son was there because he drove me, and uh, and I just like I blacked out. Like I I didn't know what I said, and I'm like, how did I do? And he's like, that was really good, mom. And so I listened to it, and I was like, oh, I didn't even know that's what I said. <laughs> like I remember none of it. I was so scared. Oh um, yeah, it was a crazy moment. So did you guys, what about your family? Did you, was your family, like your extended family supportive through that whole time? Like, I just can't even imagine what it would have been like to function trying to figure all of this out. Mm -hmm. No, um, like my, my mom and my mother-in-law and her husband live out here in Alberta and they are super supportive. They, they, Oh, Oh, cool. But the rest of my family was either silent, um, or just said like, like, the majority of them were silent and some of them were like, um, you know, we don't like, we don't agree with you, but like, we don't like that James is in prison. Um, but there's, yeah, it was a little bit of, of crickets. Like I had some family that was contacting me and saying like, you know, we're praying for you. Um, but you just want them to stand. And, and yeah. so I heard so many times, it's just not time to stand. Mm. And I'm thinking, I didn't choose what? To, right. just mm-hmm. being obedient, you know, like yeah. I'm not choosing this hill. This yeah. hill has chosen me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just think if, if not the headship of Christ over his bride mm-hmm. as a stand, then what? Like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's your worship <laughs> issue. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's yeah. what's really shown itself to be true through 2020 and 2021 is if scripture is not your standard, you can just keep pushing that back. Like, Oh, it's not time to take a stand now or now or now it's, that's the question I keep asking people is when are you going to stop? When are you actually going to resist? You know, if it's not the vaccine, the masks, like where is your standard? And if the word is not your standard, well then all you have is culture to be your ever changing standard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then seeing that the people that were attacking us, we're in direct violation to the word of God, even in how they would judge the situation or judge motives or judge our hearts or even our salvation. Cause so many guys just discredited us as believers and we're like, they're, they're cultish, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, Oh, and then you're like, okay, well they have to answer to that. Before yeah. we, they don't have to answer to me. They have to answer to Christ for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was just really interesting to see how everybody responded. Now more and more people in America are really waking up. Um, but Canada just seems like I'm getting messages all the time of people just hurting their, their pastors are not taking care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and our, our church is more than doubled in size. Like we've had to move to two services and now we're busting out of those two services because people are just 
they're limping in our door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're being dragged in our doors. Um, but you get to see people like people are getting saved. Like yeah. I have, I have never seen so many, we've been in ministry 11 and a half years and I've seen more people come to Christ in these last uh, 11 months than we, I have in the last 11 years. So that has been, exciting. you just think, man, these guys are missing the opportunity to put the glory of Christ on display yeah. and tell the world what the church is. Um, so yeah, that it's just been disheartening, I think, mm-hmm. um, but that's where you just trust the Lord. Cause it's the Lord yeah. who opens eyes and, and ears. So yeah, I just have to do what I see in scripture to be true and be obedient to that. Wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so last, I think it was last year, I read a book called the pastor's wife and it was a biography about Sabina Wormbrand and her husband is w- Richard who started the, um, the voice of the martyrs. And, um, there's a section in there where the communist party is coming in and like, uh, they all are going to this meeting and they're basically like calling everyone to submit to the communist party. And Sabina Lisa leans over to her husband is like, are you just going to let him spit in the face of Christ? Like, why aren't you getting up and saying something? And Richard (laughs) says to her in response, like, you know, they're like, I could die if, if I go against what they're doing here, like they'll kill me. And her response to him then was, I would rather have um, a dead husband than a coward for a husband, uh, something along yeah. those lines of like calling him to um, be brave and be courageous um, in their in their season of life. And uh, that's what we hope to do on this podcast too. A lot of our listeners are pastor's wives. So um, we wanted you to come on just to like be a voice and a face of just being courageous and encouraging your husband to be courageous in the season. So do you have ad- any advice for us? Like, um, how can we be an encouragement to our husbands? What, have, what's been helpful for you guys in this season? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, you have to be committed to Christ and his word mm-hmm. he needs to be your consuming thought, uh, morning, night, and day. Um, you, you have to pursue him with, with zeal and obedience uh, know his word, know why you're standing and, and love the position that God has called your husband to, because so many wives, um, they struggle in ministry because they struggle with how their husband is treated or, um, mm-hmm. just attacks on them in ministry. And so, so many wives I know are just disheartened in the ministry. Yeah. Because the sheep have been so cruel to them. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I think it was said about Susie Spurgeon in her book, um, a basket of summer fruit. I think it is that she was a woman who, who was a velvet steel. And so mm-hmm. she was a safe place for her husband to land on, but man, did she have a spine of steel. And when you read her writing, she is just, God's word is flowing out of her. Um, so you have to know God's word if you're going to stand and you have to be so convinced that there's nothing he's going to bring into your life that, that you do not need. And so whether it's difficulty in your church, whether that's difficulty in your, in with your children, um, or, or your husband having to take a stand, the difficulty that comes with that comes with that because you need to be conformed mm-hmm. into Christ. Mm-hmm. He's not going to bring something into your life that you don't need. Mm-hmm. You need this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just be convinced of that and be so committed to knowing him more. Like if the cry of your heart is more love to thee, O Christ, he's only going to bring situations into your life that is going to bring a greater depth of intimacy if you have a gentle and quiet spirit submitting mm. to you, if your heart is hardening because of the trials that are coming into your life, then there's not going to be that intimacy there. Um, but if you allow these trials to train you and cause we know that discipline for the moment is not enjoyable. 
right? But to those yeah. who are blind by it, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Um, there's there's that intimacy there. So so make that paramount in your heart. That's that's all that matters is knowing Christ more. That's our greatest boast. That's why He saved us. And then just understand that everything in your life is so that you can you can know Him and so that He can be glorified in and through you. So I think that would be like the basic. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. The basic encouragement to wives. Um, I did a study, oh man, what was it? Time's flying now. It might've been like four years ago. And I, um, did a Q and a of some wives from like, like TMS wives. So these are wives with like a solid foundation, the master seminary wives. Um, they've been trained there. Their husbands have been trained well. And, and just asking them questions like, are you content in ministry? Uh, do you have friends in the church? Do you share your life with other people? And, and I quickly found out that a lot of women are discontent in the ministry. And I think I saw some statistics that were um, 70% of pastor's wives are discontent in the ministry. And 30% of those wives do not even want to be in the ministry at all. Mm-hmm. And that depression. Wow. Uh, has overtaken them. And I thought, wow, that's 70% of pastor's wives who are not being their husband's biggest cheerleader, right? Because um, you, and that's another thing is being totally committed to his ministry and the ministry of the word. So you're not actually committed to your husband. You're actually committed to the word of God and that your husband has been chosen to pray and to preach in all of the ministries of the word that come out of his life and ministry. Um, just being just so committed to that, um, just by loving the word and being committed to what God wants you to be committed to. I think that's what I would, I would say. Yeah, that's good. I think you told me about that statistic whenever I met you at G3, which also, so we heard James talk at the G3 conference and Jared and I were just so encouraged and impressed that he literally got up and then made no mention really of everything that had been happening to him where he could have taken the opportunity to be like, listen, what I've been through everybody, but he wasn't, he was like, Hey, let's talk about Jesus. And it was amazing. Yeah, that's cool. It was just so, I was so thankful. So anyways, that was really, really cool. Another Richard Wormbrand quote, quote, uh, not all are called to die as mar- a martyr's death, but all are called to have the same spirit of self-sacrifice and love to the end that the martyrs have had. And I think that a lot of times in Christianity, we think that God is only just going to pour out like ease on our life instead of um, asking us to sacrifice things. And like you said, for our sanctification and for our good. So I think that's such an encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing we're called to suffer, right? Like Timothy, he's in prison. He's at the end of his life. He's likely a political prisoner because he's at the end of Nero's rule there. He's in chains, even though he's a Roman citizen. Um, and he's in chains because he's he's coming up against the political regime that's in place. He's yeah. preaching a message that comes against their authority. Right. Um, and so he says to Timothy, suffer with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then mm-hmm. he says, like, I, I do all, I for this reason, I do everything that I do for the sake of the elect. So that they would find salvation uh, in Christ Jesus and the glory to come. And so that's our mission, right? We, we're to suffer as good soldiers because our suffering, in our suffering, we understand how much the Lord Jesus Christ has suffered on our behalf, both in his earthly ministry, but also obviously at the cross as the wrath of God is being poured out upon him for us um, in our place. But we, we have a little bit of a taste of like, oh, that's what Christ did for me when mm-hmm. we suffer because 
we deserve everything we get. He did not deserve anything he got. Mm. Um, and so we get to taste a little bit of what he experienced just to rescue us from the wrath of God. And that that's, that's significant. So it's just keeping a, an eternal perspective. Like he's, he's readying us. I, I love the illustration of it. he's readying us. He's readying our bridal attire for the moment that we will see him. And, and our hearts are eternally married to Christ. But when we see the bridegroom break forth, like he's readying us for that moment. Mm-hmm. And he is like getting our wedding dresses all prepared um, to see him that moment that we finally see his face. And, uh, and it's an upside down world we live in, but that's going to come through suffering. And as a pastor's wife, it's going to come in various means. It could be something like what we've gone through. It could be way we're children. It could be infertility. It could be health issues. Um, but the, but the Lord really, you know, he gives us that form in the flesh to show us our weakness so that his power is perfected in us. So and bring mm. back to that, like what hope we have in Christ. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What else you got, Lexi? Anything? I just, I, I'm curious. Do you guys, you do you know about like the Ezra Institute or anything like that up there? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 just, I was reading Joe Boot's book, Mission of God, this last year, and I, I had no idea like the way your constitution has changed to go from protecting people to protecting the government. Um, that is just. I guess my question is then, did you guys before 2020, since that constitutional change has been within our lifetime, were there other things before 2020 that made you guys think we might get to the point where we would be in jail because of faithful preaching of the word? Like, or was this really the big thing for you guys 2020 changed at all? Does that make sense? Yeah, I would say, you know, part of you is surprised and is not surprised. So like when you look at how liberal our country is, like even take issues of abortion, for example, we have zero abortion laws in Canada. Hmm. You can have an abortion up anywhere in Canada up until the time that you're pregnant or you're going to give birth. Uh, and even after you give birth, live abortion is a gray area. Wow. So hmm. have like, um, like gender and marriage issues. Like the, we have the yeah. biggest gay pride parade probably in the world. Um, every year in Toronto. And so like our country is extremely liberal. Okay. There are not a lot of sound churches and there, there are those sound guys over in Ontario, which would be north of your Buffalo uh, border, New York area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have like Jacob Rayum and a whole bunch of other faithful pastors that are, that are standing in Ontario, but the number of them is so minuscule in comparison to how many guys are actually in Ontario. Um, and so it, it doesn't in that way surprise me, but honestly, yeah, we were a little bit like, I'm training my babies to, to handle persecution. So when this hit, I was just like, oh man, like I, when they started, um, pushing us and James came to me and he's like, jail is, is, um, is a real issue. Like I, I had a moment where he's sitting at the table and he says to me, like, um, our lawyer says that jail is, is a real possibility. Like I might go to jail for this mm. and so kind of clean up lunch. Cause I didn't want to like cry in front of him. Yeah. He just was have the weight of the world on his shoulders. And I just went into the bathroom and I mm. to the Lord, I said, if you're asking me for my marriage, like here you go. And I cried. Um, and, uh, but I've always been taught to hold my life with an open hand and that the Lord is going to give, and he's going to take away depending upon what most glorifies him. So that was another thing with James going to jail. We had no idea for how long he would be in there because mm. the is just so, 
they are so nasty. Like we are in a battle with them in court and they refuse to give us any evidence to justify the lockdowns, which is a constitutional violation. They mm -hmm. still not in all this time produced evidence that putting him in jail and harassing our church the way they have um, is legitimate. So their, their numbers are just not matching up and our judicial, our judicial system is really corrupt. Um, so that was what really opened our eyes um, to the corruption was a lot deeper than we thought it was. And mm -hmm. our services actually owns like our provinces and what they're able to do is actually terrifying. They own businesses. They can shut your yeah. business down. They can take your home. Um, like they just are able to do whatever they want. They can shut your church down. They can take your church. Uh, so they have a lot of power. So that opened our eyes really to, yeah, how deep the corruption in yeah. Canada actually is. And, you know, we've had to repent of, um, not, I think not being involved enough and not mm. our eyes open. Like we, we knew far more what was happening in America. Cause we're watching like, like good news stations. Right. Uh, but in here, you don't have good news stations. They're, they're government owned, wow. um, they're state owned. So they're all singing the same song off yeah. the same song. Sheet. They all move together. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, that's what surprised us was how bad this put the light on how bad it actually is. Yeah. Put the light on how asleep the church in Canada is. Cause it's already small. It's just far smaller than we thought. Yeah. I started reading that. I think right around the time that your husband was in jail and it was weird because that book is written pre 2020, but reading it in the middle of all of it is like, no wonder what's going on with this family. I was thinking of you guys, no wonder this is going on. It's because of how wicked their laws are that, and it just made me like, again, just like yearn for godly rule in the land, like praying for that and longing yeah. for that. And yeah, <sighs> crazy. Yeah. It's, and it's such a weird perspective as Americans too. Part of it is revealed and convicted me of being unthankful for what we do have because all I can see is like, cause to me, all of our, all of yeah. our news is bought out too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's weird to see in contrast to what you guys have gone through. Like, wait a second, I do need to be thankful for just kind of get out of that critical mindset, if you will. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't really help anyone in that sense, but mm -hmm. it's just, it's just crazy that you guys are so physically close to us yet. It's just very different still. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, you know, your judicial system and your constitution has been tested in this time. It's a yeah. strong document. Like you have layers of protection, yeah. whereas Canada doesn't have that. She, the document is so weak. And the, the caveat that they've put in the document essentially allows free reign for the government to just run roughshod over for everybody if they think. Now, climate change is the big thing. So yes. what they've done with COVID is they deemed it a biohazard. Yeah. So that will have implications for them taking what, like our prime minister said, we want to take what we learned uh, with COVID and apply it to climate change and the climate crisis. Mm -hmm. And so we're killing all of our natural resources. And you're just like, mm -hmm. oh, when this guy stands before the Lord, I, I, yeah. <laughs> oh, and that's where I have to be. I have to have pity on them because it's like, yes, his judgment is so great. And uh, yeah, it's just, the whole thing has been disheartening. Like you look at 80, um, like child exploitation in Canada has raised 80%, if not more. Child trafficking has gone through the roof. The children in the foster system 
uh, who are essentially like they're faceless children, they're nameless children at this point because they're caught in the system. Um, so like abuse and all of that is has skyrocketed and um, it's just really, really sad what has happened. And we know people that are saying like suicides and the opioid crisis has just out of control. And so, if, but unfortunately the suicides are actually being counted as COVID deaths here. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, it's just, it's so corrupt. Everything is corrupt that that's happening. And it's, mm-hmm. it's quite interesting. Yeah. So do you have any book recommendations? What are you reading right now? All of our listeners like to hear books. So give us some good books. Okay. I am reading, I'm finishing off um, the Susie book that I just had said, um, the basket full of summer fruit. And then I'm reading, I have, I usually have a couple books on the go. So I'm reading Dr. Strand's uh, Christianity and Wokeness. Yeah. Um, Owen Strand. And I had finished Fault Lines before that. And I think those are two books that everybody needs to read at this point, because I think you need to know what critical race theory is and what true biblical justice is. Um, and then I'm reading um, the A Radical Call to Holiness by Joel Beakey and Michael Barrett. And then I'm studying Second Timothy with our women. So that that has been a hugely applicable book for this time. We're writing uh, the women's ministry lessons and questions. And that has just kind of really helped me through this time to just what Paul was actually facing in prison and why he was in prison and mm. hope and, you know, how he's passing the baton to Timothy and where his heart is and um, the centrality of the gospel. Yeah. I just, I love it all. It's so good. Cool. Praise God. And then we can end with, is there any specific ways we can be praying for you guys? Is there any specific needs? Like what can we do? Yeah. All of our needs um, at this point are really taken care of. Our biggest concern right now with Grace Life is she's facing um, the, the vaccine mandates. And so our people are facing job loss and that's really sad to watch because they're having to either choose between their conscience or choose between providing for their family. And we know that the Lord is kind. He's going to provide for them. That's what Matthew six promises that if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, um, all of these things will be added unto you. And that that's like your, your, your clothing and your food. Uh, but that puts a lot of pressure on our people uh, and their homes. And so we just, we want to be faithful through that, that if the Lord's calling us to lose jobs or, you know, actually have people moving in our houses because they can't afford their houses anymore, that we would just honor the Lord in that. So just to be faithful through yeah. the time that we're going in. Um, and the government hasn't let up on us. They, they keep, they'll come in and they'll push and then they'll, they'll let off and then they'll push. Um, so they're pushing a little bit right now. And, uh, and so just, yeah, to be faithful in that time and to be faithful with the new people that are coming into our church because so many of them are either newly saved or they're coming from churches that are just not sound churches. And so trying yeah. to care for them when there's so like the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, yeah. like we had our yeah. leadership set up for the size of church that we yeah. had. Mm-hmm. Um, so now our guys are taxed yeah. and mm-hmm. that that's hard. So we just want to be faithful with that. Um, and Yeah. And we're planting a church. Um, we're, we're doing a lot, but uh, if, if you could keep us in prayer, we, we have a church plant on Vancouver Island. Um, so we're doing that church plant. And then our elders are kind of helping local churches uh, that don't have any help preach and help them with their leadership. So 
we're kind of involved in churches here and there all over Alberta and some in BC, which is the next province over, which is above Washington. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that would probably be the biggest things on our plate. Yeah. It's just fulfilling the great commission and being faithful to that. So are churches open, like in general in Canada, are churches open? No, there's restrictions on them. So even, even right now we we're allowed is it 25%, 25 or 30%. Um, but you can only have like whatever, whatever comes first. Like if you fill up your, um, you can't have 30% in your sanctuary and not be socially distanced and masked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are some churches, what? provinces where you're only allowed to have 10 people and um, vaccinated people are allowed to be together, mm-hmm. but vaccinated people are not allowed. <laughs> oh my gosh be near anybody. Um, and so churches are actually implementing that. And you just think, Ugh. man, this is a James, Sad. too. Like if a yeah. man comes into your assembly with a gold ring oh, and he's wearing yeah. clothes and you're saying, here, you stand in the good yeah, place. And then you have the dirty man and the poor yeah. man. Oh, you Pretty obvious. Like, oh, it's so crazy. Okay. So wow. Churches that are doing that, but all of the provinces, um, are still restricted. Um, some very heavily, uh, but there's a lot of churches that are just not, there's some churches that are, that are meeting, but they're not like broadcasting, Hey, we're meeting. Um, so people just don't know that they're there. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, the, the restrictions are still in full force, but I think our policing system is getting tired. Yeah. Having to take care of that stuff. while real gets pushed. Yes. The backseat. So. Wow. All right. Well, we will be praying and holding the line from our different pockets of the world over here. <laughs> Lexi's in Utah and I'm in Illinois. Um, but wow. it's, it's just really cool hearing your story and thank you for sharing that with us. And yeah, thank may you. God be with us all <laughs> in the years thank to come. You. Thank you so much for being with us, Aaron. And um, yeah, is there any, do, do you do like Instagram or any way that people can follow you if they want yes, to Yes. I chose one social media outlet and that's Instagram. So it's Aaron Coates 80 uh, is my handle name. And uh, we are actually doing kind of um, an Advent devotional. I don't really like to call it it the incarnation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So we're doing Sinclair Ferguson's book. There's a bunch of women online going to be on the same page doing that. Um, so that's something that we can look forward to in the next couple of weeks that that's coming up, but yeah. And then that at G3, Oh, sorry. I, was gonna say, I grabbed that book at G3. I'm going to do that one this year too. I should have grabbed that. Um, yeah. And then, and then I do a, bot, a podcast with open hearts in a closed world with Brooke Bartz. And we are studying second Timothy. Uh, Cause what we're finding is that women, they just don't know their Bibles and their churches are not teaching them. And so we thought, okay, well, we don't, we don't want to like take an issue like people are like well we need you to talk about politics or what's happening in this time and I'm like no you can listen to Tucker Carlson for that (laughs) we're just going to teach you the word of God which is going to transcend whatever situation you're in and help you apply that to your life so we've started that podcast just really just going through scripture and not adding anything just telling you what it says and uh and that's all kind of under the branch of our elders so our content that we're using um, has gone through our leadership. And so leaders are a big part of, of caring for that. So, and what was that called again? The podcast? Open Hearts in a Closed World. Open Hearts in a Closed World. Cool. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Erin. Yeah. Thank you, Erin. Thank you.